Welcome back to On the Prowl, presented by Cardiac Cats. I'm your host, Jacob Shorba, and today I'm once again joined by Griffin Fisher, a diehard fan of the Kansas State Chiefs. Today we'll be talking about the week that was, where our teams stand heading into the final week of the season, and what's to come. So welcome back on the podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fine. It was a bit of a rough end of the week, but personally, I'm doing fine. Yeah, definitely not the way you wanted to see that weekend. Very unfortunate, and you know, thoughts and prayers with them. Um, but yeah, not, I didn't expect to see that. We uh, we had went out to go to dinner that night actually while we were watching the game, and so and that yeah, was that, that was rough. Yeah, it ended pretty quick. But yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does with all that and how they resolve it. I know they've said so far that the game's not going to take place this week. Um, if it happens, it will probably be after week 18. And I don't know if they'll move any playoff games. That'll be the big question. I hope to God they don't because if the Jaguars finish this and go to the playoffs, I sure as heck don't want to change my travel plans for that. Yeah. That uh, will be a nightmare. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that all works out. Um, big questions surrounding that. But we'll go ahead. We'll start things off for this week, and we'll talk about actually what happened the last week. So first thing um, is the Eagles dropping in their game. Now they've lost two in a row. Um, Minshew Mania didn't even start in Philadelphia, unfortunately. It, it, I don't even know if it was lived out there. I mean, maybe in the preseason. He at least had some offense going his first start. But yeah, he, he still didn't look great in that game either. They scored a lot, but yeah, they just couldn't get the job done. And, you know, now they're in a situation where it could end with them being the fifth seed, you know, or the second, however it works out. But the Eagles, they'll have a hard game this week. They'll play against the Giants who just qualified into the postseason for the first time in years. And if the Eagles drop that game, the 49ers would be the first team to be able to take over the first seed if they can beat the Cardinals. And then the Cowboys would be the second one of those that could take it. And they would have to defeat, oh man, who was it? It's the other team in the division. It would have been uh, the Commanders is who they'll play. So... It'll be interesting to see how that ends. Yeah, that's just... It's crazy. I mean, it's obviously Hurts. I have been a critic of Hurts. But and I still think that the Eagles team with Gardner Minshew would still be going to the playoffs right now if they had had him the whole year. But I think it's becoming more and more clear how much he did matter to the team. And I think I have to admit that I was wrong in that because I thought for sure Gardner Minshew would at least beat the saints but that whole team looked off without hurts i think his leadership role might be bigger than his quarterback role just him being a leader on the team and out there on the field might be more impactful than him just running the ball or throwing it yeah it advocates very hard for that and one of the first things that eagles players and fans will say about jalen hurts is that he's a leader that's the way he was looked at he's not just a good football player, but you know, he is part of the heart and soul of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, what, what's really interesting to me about this is that the Eagles 
They've lost two games with Minshew starting, yet the Jaguars, when they blew up their whole roster, won four of eight with Minshew to start the year. So were the 2020 or so, no, sorry, it's uh, 2019 Jaguars, were they better than the 2022 Eagles? With Minshew? Ah. Regardless of Minshew, the whole roster. I mean, I'm I'm just sitting there thinking, you know. I mean, that is a great question. I think your guys' division was a little worse. Although, that would have been Philip Rivers' Colts, wouldn't it? They weren't terrible. I think it was. And by the way, this is all sarcasm. But, I mean, legitimately giving an actual response to your sarcastic uh, question. I of course the Eagles are better, but I think they're just playing teams that are that want to win more right now. The Cowboys are an insane rivalry, and the Saints are a team that's still playing hard. They're a team that doesn't just quit seasons and try to tank. And the Saints were still by sorry battling for the playoffs at that that's point. A, yeah, because if Carolina point. won, which it's a tragedy they did not, then this final week would come down to those three in the division. But Tampa Bay got it done in disgusting fashion, which actually leads us into the next thing we're talking about in this last week. Um, it just, once again, is so uninspiring to watch the Buccaneers win. <laughs> they they sneak by every single time. It's like a do-or-die situation. Every time. Tom Brady orchestrates a, an insane drive late in the fourth where all of a sudden the team just looks good. And that's the only time the whole game they look good, too, is that one drive. The whole rest of the game, they look like a bottom five team. But then Tom Brady just uses his his dark magic to get them a win. Yeah, I wonder now as well, just because they cannot advance seed, they cannot drop seed, so they're in the fourth spot, no matter what. As crazy as it sounds, and I guess the Titans did it last week, so maybe it isn't crazy. But do they rest starters the final week if they've got players who were injured? I was going to say they should rest their like key players, but I'm pretty sure they only have one key player left. Yeah. So you just have Brady sit and then play everyone else, maybe? I It makes sense, but at the same time, I don't think they can because that team needs to get momentum. They need to figure things out. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to do that against the Falcons. I think it's just going to be another disgusting game. But um, if you're the Bucks, I mean, cool, you won the division, but, I mean, things are going to blow up there. I mean, Brady's not going to stay. I don't see that happening. I think he's going to San Francisco realistically. But you're, you're likely moving on from Brady. You're going to have star players want to leave. You've got players getting really old. I mean, Mike Evans... Um, I think he's in his ninth or 10th season. So he's getting up there. Yeah. And he's going to cost a lot of money for them when he does his next contract. Cause he ain't taking a pay cut again. So yeah, there's a lot of questions around the bucks, but they'll get in. And if they get to play the Cowboys, then sure. I mean, they'll, they'll probably win that game. But if the Eagles lose, they're probably not going to win a game in the playoffs. So if you're a Bucks fan, you're almost rooting for Philadelphia this week because you want to play Dallas. Yeah, you, it is. Dallas is the clear favorite there. Their ability to just explode their team on just any random game is just incredible. 
I mean, the Jaguars fans know that very well. Yeah, and I mean, we played a great game at the very end, but at the same time, you know, we made mistakes, and there was no reason for any team to blow a 17-point lead. Uh, it was just very unimpressive what they did. But honestly, out of all the games recently, I think that was probably one of their best. Because you look at the Titans game. They blew them out, yeah, 27 to 13 or whatever. But my gosh, I mean, it was disgusting. I think Dak Prescott threw like three interceptions and he just looked awful. He did not look like a good quarterback. And they're interviewing him after the game. It's like, oh, well, I guess I just made a few mistakes. That, that sucks. You know, it's like, uh, it's going to suck in a couple weeks when you do that in the playoffs. And you yeah. go home. Dak Prescott manages to have one of those games every time there's like a string of weeks where he actually looks good. He manages to remind people that at his best, he is a bottom top 10 or he's 10 to 16. He's right in the middle, slightly better than average is what I would say. And that's, that's, he does it every year. Every year he manages to show that he's not an elite quarterback. Yeah. And if I remember, and I'm actually looking it up as we're talking about this. So right now, Dak Prescott, despite not playing five games this year, you know he leads the NFL in interceptions? Yeah, I remember uh, hearing that stat. That is yeah. incredible. And it doesn't get talked about that much either. Everyone brought up Derek Carr. Everyone brought up Josh Allen. No one brings up Dak. Yeah, they're a one-and-done team in the playoffs, honestly. I mean, they might luck into the first seed if everything goes right this week. If the 49ers lose and the Eagles lose, then yeah, they could get it because they play the Commanders, and there's a lot of questions in Washington right now about the team. So they could get the first seed, but it isn't going to matter. That'd they're just the, not going anywhere. There would be the uh, worst first seed since last year's Titans. Yeah. If you didn't count them, they would be the worst first seed since they were the worst first seed years okay. ago. <laughs> Before my parents were married. Yeah, I remember that year. That was that was awful. Um, but yeah, I, th I think uh, I think they're going to be gone out of the playoffs pretty quick. But the uh, one of the biggest games of this next week that will be happening as Packers and Lions, both teams this last week had huge blowout victories. Uh, the Lions, I believe they blew out the Bears and the Packers. They absolutely demolished the Vikings. And I think the question Somehow. that we asked, yeah, we asked the question on here a week ago or two about whether the Vikings were dangerous or pretenders. And we felt like, well, it's kind of both, but I'm sorry. They're, they could... Be dangerous and win a game and beat you. But they are not Super Bowl banned. Yeah, honestly, they look worse than the Cowboys in terms of just being able to lose any game. The Packers had a had their star wide receiver beat up. He was injured and, and was a game time decision even. Or right before the game. And they managed to get blown out. It makes no sense. There is no reason that should have ever been a blowout. And they just choked. Kirk Cousins and 
I, I I like Kirk Cousins, but he manages to like prove every time he plays in prime time that he's not that guy, and it, and it, and it sucks. But yeah. the he just has issues in prime time. Yeah, I hate it, and I want the Vikings to go win a Super Bowl sometime soon. I genuinely do, but they just don't look like they're gonna do it this year. And I would almost rather be a rebuilding team than be a team with that kind of culture to where I'm blowing games like that to where all of my losses this season are just complete destruction, just being absolutely destroyed by someone. I, I would want no part in that. I would have rather been the Jaguars at two and 14 or two and 15, but that's where the Vikings are, unfortunately. And, there's a lot of work to do there to fix that, but they've got a new head coach. It's the first year. They'll figure things out. More interesting uh, topic other than the Vikings choking at the end of a year, because it seems to happen every year. A more interesting topic. Is the, uh, yeah. If they... Gosh. But the, uh, the Packers lions is legitimately a interesting matchup. All of a sudden it looked like it was going to be garbage coming to like the midpoint of the year. And it's managed to make itself an important game yet again. Yeah. And that both will of those be... teams have just, they've shown so much grit and and good coaching and leading up to this moment to get back in this even. Yeah, very similar stories for both teams because you've got the Packers who, like the Steelers and the Jaguars, they're 4-8. and eight. You're thinking the season's over. And then they just went on a run. They won a ton of games on a row. And the amount of teams that have done that in like a modern era, I think there's like two that have recovered from that kind of a deficit to come back and try to make the playoffs. And the way things look, every one of those teams can make it in. But then you got the Lions, who started the season 1-6, looked like they were just dead in the water, probably going to do the same thing as last year and kind of figure it out at the end, but be way too far behind. And then all of a sudden, now they're 8-8. Eight and eight, and they've got a chance to make the playoffs. But it's going to be such a huge challenge because they've got to go into the Lambo and they've got to play the Packers. And, I mean, it just could not be much worse of a matchup for them right now. They're such a physical team, and I love their coach. And it's just, I think, it's a terrible matchup, of course. It's one of the worst matchups they could have. But with their coach and how he coaches their team, I think they can legitimately go in there and still win. I'm not predicting that, but that should be a really good game, I think. Yeah, they could definitely win it. But what also is a factor in this is that they might not even have a chance at the playoffs by the time that game happens. It might just, yeah, it might be all for naught. Because if the Seattle Seahawks win, which they play the Rams, then Seattle would be the team in and Green Bay would have to knock them out. So the Lions would essentially be playing to let Seattle in who knocked them out. So yeah, it's not a good situation. And I, there's some frustration for me too here because the NFL talks about competitive balance and they want to have, you know, good teams on, but they don't want to give every good team a chance. And there was a really good opportunity here. You know, even though the Titans haven't been good recently, you know, they've still been the bane of Jacksonville's existence for a long time. And there was an opportunity to give the Jaguars a Sunday night football game. 
And the Jaguars even requested, they didn't ask for Sunday night football, but they, they said that they wanted to play on Sunday because otherwise they're being put at a massive disadvantage because they're losing a day of preparation while the Titans are getting two extra. So they usually when you have a team that plays Thursday night football, hang into their next match, they just get extra days. You don't also take from the other opponent and the NFL just denied them. And so now Jacksonville has to play on Saturday and it will be good if they win, you know, because they get the extra day of preparation for a home game. But that's frustrating because that was the perfect opportunity to put them on Sunday night football for the first time since 2008. They've been on it two times in the history of the franchise. And the inception of Sunday night football was like 2005. You know how many times Dallas has been on? How many? 57. <laughs> I, I think they might pick favorites. I'm not sure. Yeah. But and I... Yeah, the NFL is just... They don't try to hide it. Before the Chiefs had Mahomes, you, it would have been a miracle to see the Chiefs on a primetime game. It just didn't happen. It's true. You have to have stars. And I think that you guys having Trevor Lawrence will actually get you a ton more games like that. But you have to have star players. Even if your team's good, but if you don't have any big players that people can attach themselves with and really like follow, they won't put you on primetime. So I, I think that it's going to look nice for the Jaguars in the future. Like this next year, you guys should have lots of primetime games. But it's crazy just how the NFL is not transparent. And it seems like they really do just pick the the high market teams, the New York teams, the West Coast teams, Texas teams. Yeah. They have favorites. They do. And I understand that Jacksonville has to prove it. But what have they done since the bye week? Prove it every single week. They're five and one since losing to the Chiefs. I mean, I think they've earned it at this point, being on Sunday Night Football. And uh, people are saying, "Oh, it's prime time on Saturday night." But yeah, we we know better. You know, Which, they're just putting them in the secondary slot again. It's not like the Packers or Lions are better than the Jags. Which uh, out of the Packers, Lions, and Jaguars, which team? do people legitimately think it's going to go farther in the playoffs? The Jaguars look clearly better than both of those teams. Although the, the Lions, the Lions beat did yeah. beat you not that long ago. That was, yeah. I mean, I think the Lions could beat us again. I'm not taking away from that. Like, there was a huge victory. But at I the same time, you have well to... F- against the Jaguars. Yeah, they were a really good matchup. They had home field advantage. And Jacksonville still had a mentality issue at that point that I've talked about before, where I feel like they were overlooking teams that they bought into their own hype and that they thought, oh, we've arrived. And what's been great to watch is that since I really started thinking about that, they moved on. Like people keep trying to say, oh, we believe now, you know, you guys are are good and, you know, just accept that. But Jacksonville, every single week, they have said they have done nothing. Nothing's happened yet. They haven't earned anything. They haven't earned the playoff spot. They could lose this week and not make the playoffs, and it's all for naught. They haven't accomplished anything. That's the way that team feels about it. They're still hungry. They know that people have doubted them. They're still thinking about that. I know Trevor is because he said it. And I love that mentality. 
And so I think Jacksonville legit has a shot to go deep in the playoffs. The Lions also could. The Packers, I just feel like there's a culture of losing in the playoffs at this point. Um, but the Lions, yeah, some bad luck. it's hard to hard to think they're going to win too, to some extent. I would mostly agree with that. I think if the Lions did get that playoff spot, they could beat a team. They could at least get to the divisional round. Yeah, I could see and the, the Packers would be way harder for them to get through a game. But who are the I Lions going to beat? Year, the Lions, oh yeah, who would they play? Uh, it could 49ers be the 49ers or the Vikings. It would be the Vikings, potentially. Yeah, that would be rough. It would be a division game, though. They could have a if, shot at that. If they played the Vikings, they could blow out the Vikings. They did last time. But yeah, the the Packers making the playoffs, they could be a good team next year when they kind of get more chemistry between their players. But I just don't see that team being well-rounded enough to advance. Yeah, I think it depends on who they match up against and when they got to play San Francisco. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's probably when they're going to go home. But I think if they get matched oh, up against Minnesota, they're going to beat them first week. I could absolutely see that. Um, so we're talking about the playoff picture a lot. The last thing we'll kind of talk about here um, the playoff picture, not in the NFC, but in the AFC, because now there's a huge impact on that from what happened with DeMar Hamlin and this game being postponed and potentially not happening. Because if the game does not take place and no one is awarded a win, they just simply cancel the game, then the Bills are not given a chance to defend the first seed and Kansas City would, if they defeat the Raiders on Saturday, have the first seed in the playoffs. Which is a very crazy situation, to say the least. And, you know, people are going to look at Kansas City as the bad guy in that, you know, despite the fact that that's not their choice. They did nothing about it to cause it. But yeah, it's a crazy was, situation. Kansas City was looking forward to the the Raiders matchup. They were ready to play for the first seed there as if the, the Bengals had won. And the, I mean, leading into that game, there's tons of chiefs players jokingly uh, talk about how much they like the Bengals and cheering for them. And it's just that injury really derailed the whole NFL. It is, it has changed the whole mood. And if the chiefs do just get given the first seed, it is, it is going to be rough because they are just by default going to look like the bad guys. Yeah, and I I could see the NFL doing something with that and trying to work against them in the playoffs because the fact is the NFL does try to cause certain outcomes. They've now, done that before multiple times. They've yep the the team that had a had a hurricane or had a big disaster happen in their region or a terrorist attack. Even those teams win when that stuff happens. And I and I know I know it's really important to those areas to have a, a big moment for them, but we can't look past them to like it's not something that happens though, which does make me think that the NFL would not want the Chiefs to have the first seed even. Yeah, but, and you don't solve that issue by just rigging a game. I mean, look at like what happened in Texas a couple of years ago. Um, it was like. 
an ice storm or something, if I remember correctly. And the AFC South donated money to them. That's where they left it. Every team donated a million dollars. They didn't rig games. They didn't do any of that dumb stuff. They just supported them because that's what they needed. It doesn't need to come down to sports and changing outcomes. Bills have a good enough team where they and they. I think they'd be fired up after this incident. I think they're going to be playing really hard. And they could go all the way on their own. I don't think the NFL needs to sour its reputation anymore by aiding an outcome that they want. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also have an interesting opinion on the game that took place this last week and didn't finish. And maybe I just say it's interesting because it's mine, but, you know, having watched NASCAR for a long time growing up, you know, there's a lot of races where um, things get impacted because of weather. They can't finish events. And, you know, a driver may be like charging to the front and should have enough time left to win, but there's rain and the race doesn't finish and they lose. And sometimes, you know, quite frankly, you know, that stuff is going to happen, you know, although this is an extremely rare situation, but you can't always make excuses and you have to put yourself in a situation to overcome that. It's like with the refs. If we think that things are rigged, then the way you look at that is that good teams can overcome that. And I, I, I said that actually, I think about the Jaguars in 2017, I think on the show that they were not good enough to overcome that in the AFC championship because that game was not over at that point. It could have responded by going and getting a touchdown. It doesn't make what happened fair. And if this game doesn't happen, yeah, it's not going to be fair then, but there's no good outcome in the first place. There's nothing that can happen that fixes all of this unless DeMar Hamlin is just fine tonight and they go play tomorrow, which is not happening because they've already said the game's not happening this week. But these teams, they could have won games earlier to make up for this. It's unfair what happened, but at the same time, everyone controls their own destiny. I, I mean, that's a that's a fair point. It sounds harsh, but the the Bills fumbled on the one yard line and let the Vikings beat them. Stuff like that, they would have had the control. The Chiefs have had multiple games where I start complaining about refs. I think. Well, maybe we shouldn't let a team come back 17 points against us. Right? We won't even have to complain about that in the first place. It's team, Teams can overcome that. And to the Bills' credit, they can easily overcome this still and go into the playoffs and win without any assistance. And I just hope the NFL lets things play out. Yeah, you truly hope so. But I don't know what they're going to do. And I quite frankly just don't trust the NFL. I don't think they ultimately have the players' best intentions at the crux of things. Considering they were talking about potentially playing the game still that night. Yeah, the the big example for me this year is Tua Tagovailoa because he's been concussed three times on the season. The first time, they did a phony concussion protocol and claimed that he was fine, which everyone knew he wasn't. They keep him in the game so he can go beat the Bills. And then he gets hurt the next week. With one of the scariest injuries I've ever seen in football. Yeah, until 
you know, yeah. two days ago. But I just I look at that and I'm like, I don't trust them. And then they and missed then it. They they, missed it happens it again. again. This la- it wasn't this last week, but the week before, where you even see like a clear fall off in his performance. Yeah, he goes like, from I'll, being I'll give playing him- solid to three interceptions. Yeah, and you could see the play where he got hurt, and fans even brought that up. And you know what the NFL says? Oh, we didn't see any signs of it. We never saw a play that seemed like he could have got hurt. It's like, just shut up. You're lying. Yeah, after patting themselves in the back about their new concussion protocols. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to catch every player now. Oh wait, we missed the same player that we put these in place for. (laughs) Yeah. They, They just don't they really make it look like they don't care about the players. And with Tua and with what happened with the Bengals-Bills game, it's just their reputation just gets worse and worse to the point where players and people on ESPN are going and talking about how bad they look and how the, what they're doing is wrong. And they have got to get that under control. They have got to be more clear, and they've got to put better systems in place. You can't let Tua get hurt three times. This dude could have serious implications for his health in the future because of the NFL missing stuff like this. Yeah, and this happens as well when you have organizations that don't have competition because who competes with the NFL in football? The the USFL, the XFL? No, they're not on the same level. And so the NFL can do whatever it wants because what are players going to do? Are they going to yeah. quit and give up all that money? Are fans going to go watch the USFL? No, it's not going to happen. Hey, look at NASCAR once again, just going to that because that's the other sport I've watched a lot. Um, with NASCAR, they blatantly ignore what the fans want all the time. I mean, there was like years where fans were begging them, like, stop putting this product on the track. We want to see like high horsepower. We want to see people race each other. And NASCAR would insist that they everyone loved this low horsepower package that was boring and no one could pass anyone. They just lie because what's going to happen? What other stock car series is competing with them? It's the same way for the NFL. Yeah, the NFL's antics, especially with the Bills-Bengals game, if they had a competition or if they had uh, another league competing against them, this would have just been an insanely huge blow against them. But since it's just the NFL and no one even comes close, this is nothing. They won't even they'll they'll get some flack for it, and they'll still make billions of dollars next year. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, am I going to quit watching after that? I mean, honestly, the answer is no. You know, and I I have to ask myself questions about these things, and I think we all do. But you know, at the same time, like I I still love the Jaguars. You know, they're not a part of this, and that's why I watched the NFL. Yeah, and I think seeing the NFL world's reaction last night and how everyone came together and just cared for a player more than the whole sport, I think that meant a lot to the team. I think the NFL's, the best part of the NFL isn't the NFL itself. It's the fans of the NFL and the players. Yeah, Seeing everyone come together in that moment was great. There's good people in the organization, absolutely. But what we have to realize is that an organization is not a person. An organization is not going to care about people and the ones inside of it as much as the people that make it up will. And we see that on a consistent basis because 
you know, in a lot of these sports, like people die. It hasn't happened for a long time in the NFL, but I mean, we see it in Irish sports quite often and very little changes, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about this whole thing. It's, it's a tragedy what happened to him and you know, you just, you just hope that he recovers and can live a good life after this, whether that's, you know, just staying away from football or whether he can actually return, which we just don't know. No we know nothing yeah. about it, and it's it's all it should all be kept private to them. And right now, everyone's just hoping that he just recovers from this. Okay, yeah. And it's nice seeing everyone just kind of agree on something and just unite behind a a better thing right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that said, we'll go ahead and we'll move on. I, I think we all kind of knew this would probably be the longest section of the show, but we'll we'll still talk about some other things. So we'll talk first about the Jaguars. Um, start with all things Duval. And I've got two questions this week that I want to talk about. Um, one thing that has been a huge problem for Jacksonville, and you actually knew about it because – the player almost got traded to you guys, quote unquote, but Josh Allen had a really rough year after the first couple of weeks and, you know, it's getting no sacks, getting a lot of pressures. I think he's still top five in the NFL right now, but just absolutely no results. And over the last four weeks, it's been a big change there. He's had three sacks in those games. He had a forced fumble against Houston picked up by Tyson Campbell for a touchdown. So about the best you can do as a defender. So the question with this is that, you know, can we be confident after a month of seeing him play really good football that we're past this? Yeah. I think that defensive linemen just from experience with Chris Jones on the chiefs and Frank Clark to a degree, they, they have slumps. And I think they, they go out and they practice new moves and they, they really train and they look for uh, they look for weaknesses on O-lines and they really focus when they get into those slumps to get back to where they are. Chris Jones has, has slumps where he doesn't get through the line. He'll get pressures, but he won't get sacks. And then after three or four weeks, he comes out and he gets a bunch of sacks. And I think watching Josh Allen that he is he's past that. I saw that in the Chiefs game where he just wasn't getting the Mahomes. So him being able to get back on the quarterback again, it's also just a huge confidence boost. So I think yeah. I think he's fine. It was just uh, it was just a little slump, and good players overcome those. Yeah, he I believe he got his first sack against Tennessee, which was awesome that he got in that game. But yeah, since then, I mean, you could clearly see a confidence boost in him, people feeling differently about him. And it, the other part of this that was interesting that they talked about on Jaguars Happy Hour was that they feel like he could have been injured this year, just not publicly disclosed. Because you see when you're watching Josh Allen, like a huge change over the last month in like his explosiveness and his twitch off the line. And all those things will add up into making a really good edge rusher and you see the production now. So it raises a question if like something was going on in the middle of the season, because Josh Allen has every reason to be one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. He has the draft 
prospect behind it, um, or draft profile behind it. He's a diligent player. He has every intention of being great. So, I mean, I lost some faith in him this season, but you know, I figured this had to end at some point, and I'm I feel good about it. I think he's going to be a big deal, and I am so happy that he finally gets to see Jacksonville being a good team. Oh yeah, he deserved to be playing for a good team, which is why when you guys were in your uh, midseason slump, I was hoping you'd come to the Chiefs because everyone can just <laughs> tell what kind of talent he is. And I mean, that would have been that would have been so it would have been huge. And I think it could have been a midseason injury because Harrison Butker got cleared from the injury list a while ago, and he still looks off. So he's probably still dealing with his ankle, but they're just not saying that. So something could have been up with Josh Allen just for a few weeks, and he overcame it. And now he should be healthy for the playoffs and ready to go if that was the case. Yeah, and it's one thing I just generally love about the Jaguars right now is we see a lot of players that are like breaking out finally, that are getting better. And I, I did an article on that recently because I think the Jaguars' ceiling in the playoffs is limitless because of that. I'm not saying I think they're going to go win a Super Bowl, but I I see them winning the wild card, and I think they could win divisional, and I think they could go farther. You know, but it's it's week by week and you just don't know what's going to happen. But you have so many young, talented players that are starting to put it together. And Josh Allen is one of those guys right now. So that that's what I think on that topic. The other question that I want to get to, um, there was huge secondary issues this season when Shaquille Griffin was playing poorly at the beginning of the year and they were struggling to find a replacement. And we talked about. Darius Williams moving the outside because it was a clear, obvious decision to fix a more important part of the team because it's it's more common teams have an outside corner on the field than a nickel because they always have an outside corner on the field unless you're in like a goal line stance. So, you know, they made changes here recently. They moved Darius Williams outside and we've seen fantastic football from this group. So with that and Trey Herndon playing a little better, you know, can we feel good about that position as well? I I think you guys can because your your secondary has looked better. The Lions game was rough, but these last couple weeks have been have been fine. You guys have held quarterbacks pretty well, and I think you guys have your your quarterbacks have to be well. They have to play good because the way through the AFC is all <laughs> passing teams. It is all teams with elite wide receivers or at least elite targets like uh, Travis Kelsey. So your cornerbacks have to be good because otherwise it could be a very short playoff run. Yeah, we're going to need great play from them. I'm very happy with how Herndon's played recently, but I still worry there because... Herndon just is not going to be able to match up against certain guys. And we see NFL teams now using slot receivers as primary weapons. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to play from that position, you know, just because you're undersized. And, you know, what happens if, you know, like we expect, we host the Chargers and they move Keenan Allen to the slot and he's got to go up against Trey Herndon. I mean, that's that's my issue with it because they could definitely set up some mismatches and we've seen 
the outside corner struggle in that spot. So it's not like you can really move them around that efficiently. Um, and there's even, you know, just discussions that like slot corner and outside corner are completely different positions in terms of what's needed at them. So, you know, it's, it'd be almost the equivalent of having a cornerback play safety, you know, or having a defensive end move to the interior. You know, it's just an entirely different um, assignment for those guys. I will say that I think even if your cornerback issue isn't resolved and your cornerbacks don't perform well in the playoffs, you can still win. The Chiefs haven't had great cornerbacks for a long time. They have Snead, who is, who is pretty good, but they have that's it. It's all rookies for the whole rest of the cornerback room, and they're p- continuing to win. So as long as the Jaguars' offense and Trevor Lawrence go out and really play football and play well, even if your quarterback issues aren't resolved this year, you can still advance to the playoffs. Yeah. That's not it's all not, doom and gloom. Yeah, it's definitely not the end of the world unless we have like the worst defensive performance of all time. And... Trey Herndon's not going to be on the field all game long. So um, that's important, but it will be a lot of the game. Um, just the snap counts recently when I was doing research on it, he's on the field 75% of the time. So it is a lot, but the Jaguars have the every weapon they need on offense to go far in the playoffs. When those guys are playing really good football, they're going to win games, but um, you wish you were doing better at corner for sure, and I think that's going to be the first thing they need to address this offseason in the draft. And if they can get someone who can play there on the inside or play at safety, someone who's versatile at those positions, then that would be good. But that's uh, an issue for down the road and not one of the pressing things they can deal with right now. So that's all I've got on the Jaguars, really just the two things right now. It's, It's sort of a time where we're just waiting, you know, we're just wanting to see, do we do we beat the Titans? Do we go to the playoffs? We absolutely believe we will, but you know, we kind of know what we've got at this point. Yeah, your team really has to be ready now or, or it's toast. If if your team has huge issues that can't be addressed, other parts of the team are gonna have to overcome them right now. There isn't really time to fix those issues. Your team has to be ready to go now. Yep. Exactly. Well, Let's go ahead. We'll talk a little bit about the Chiefs before we dive into this next week. So for you, um, what are some big questions that Kansas City has right now? Well, to start things off, um, there has been some rough games recently against opponents (laughs) who the Chiefs were supposed to beat by two scores. And I'm, I'm worried... Because the Chiefs have done this for as long as I've been a fan, where they play down to opponents. It's It feels like it's just part of their culture. Maybe it's something Andy Reid does. Maybe it's just something that the Chiefs just overall do. But they play down. So I'm I'm asking myself, is this just the normal Chiefs playing down? Or, or are they actually in danger of just getting like blown out in the playoffs or trounced or just beaten outright? Yeah. They, they are not guaranteed to be blown out in the playoffs. I think it's more that there is a chance that someone just beats the living crap out of them in the playoffs. I 
don't think that will happen though. I think they will get it together. And the way I feel about it is that they did this against teams that were way worse and they barely beat them. So usually teams can't get away with that, but they quite frankly did other than the Colts game. They were able to play close in all those matchups and here they are first in the AFC, probably going to hold on to that unless the bills and Bengals play and the bills win it. So it's, it's crazy that they're in the situation they are now playing that way. And I would think that's a huge issue in the locker room, but I don't know if it matters. Just from what I see, it's like they embrace that to a degree. They, they love winning close. Exactly. Is that better or worse? I have no clue, but at least for now, I'm, I'm happy they can win close games. They lost multiple close games last year. They lost to the Bengals twice in close games. So maybe in some strange scenario, they'll actually do better in the playoffs this year. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about it still. And I, I think they need to prove that whoever they first play in the playoffs, they need to prove that they were just playing down and they were waiting for this moment. And they need to go out and have a big win. I feel like the Chiefs are like the Vikings this year, except they don't get blown out in their losses. Every game is close, whether it should be or not. And they squeak them out, but they they don't get blown out like, you know, 40 to 3 or uh, 41 to 17, whatever the score is. And I think that just proves the point that they play down to opponents and they play up to opponents whenever they play. The 49ers, they beat the 49ers very soundly against the 49ers just, team who is really kind of starting to click then. Which is that was a team that was still going. Yeah, looking at that now, think about. It, it was a huge game. And it, they, they beat the brakes off the Bucks, which they weren't good. <laughs> but but they didn't play down. They played as if that team was still good. Mahomes. Then, yeah. I, I was going to say Mahomes like did have to play great in that game, though, still. It's yeah. not like the Bucks did nothing. The defense sucked, but I mean Brady. Once he got going, he kept going. It wasn't like the Chiefs were just completely gone and blew him out. You know, Tom Brady was trying to keep it close, but Mahomes kept his foot on the gas the whole way. And I'm. I think the Chiefs are in a good situation, continuing to. I. I, I think when they play a good team, they they really try harder. They don't. They look off in bad games because I think Andy Reid just makes generic game plans for those. He's such a great game plan designer that he doesn't want to reveal these great plays until he has to. And I've seen it for as long as I've been a Chiefs fan. So I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of issues they need to address, but I think they have been playing down more than there's huge issues on the team. But special teams and and. Uh, the def- defensive performances just kind of shutting off randomly in second halves are starting to worry me. But yeah. I have a, another good question is who is going to be the number one receiver at the end of the season next year for the Chiefs? This year it's Juju. Juju is oh, a great next year. season. Yeah. And I oh, mean Justin Ross. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> if, if he was successful in the NFL, I think it'd probably take a couple years, but uh, yeah, I don't Next know about year, that. but Kadarius Tony's like Tyreek Hill right now. So I mean, I, I mean, this <laughs> last game, he 
filled in that role pretty well. Legitimately, I think the Chiefs could have a a real challenge for who's the number one receiver at the end of next season. And this season, I'm I'm very happy to see Juju do great. But Kadarius Tony, his ceiling just keeps going. I mean, it keeps going up. It looks limitless right now. He's done better and better as he gets more and more involved. He had some in, insane catches last game, and he ran routes good, and he burnt some cornerbacks. The next season, it might not be Juju as the number one wide receiver. It could be Tony. He could still be impressive, though, and not get the volume. So I would say, like, this year it's clear that Juju is the guy, and I actually believe that next year – do you guys have Juju under contract, or was it a no, one-year but deal? he's getting signed. Yeah, you're bringing him back. It was back. a one so, He's probably, I would call him the number one receiver again next year. Another year in that offense, getting better in the culture and fitting in. I think he will have the most volume and be the biggest impact. But I think Tony is going to be like the big play spark on the offense. And they'll probably take that over for Nicole Hardman if you guys don't bring him back. Um, Yeah, I'd assume he's going to fill in for Nicole. Yeah, and something to throw out that I was going to say. I feel like there is an argument to be made that Andy Reid should be in the coach of the year conversation. Oh, I, I did hundred. Of course, I'm going to agree with that, but I, I think they like to give it to teams who were worse overall. But, well, but from he, the perspective me, before the season, they it's like the Chiefs were done. Yeah, let me make an argument because we're talking about Kadarius Tony here because you're talking about him being the number one receiver next year. I think he's a perfect example of why you could make an argument for Reed being the coach of the year. And to be clear, I don't think Reed should win the whole thing, but I think he should be in the conversation. I think it's Doug Peterson right now just because you look at what the team was at the beginning of the year and the fact that they might make the playoffs. They've just got to finish it. But I think Reed should very well be in that conversation because you see him able to take players that seem like they're just not going to reach their potential, that they're going to be whatever's, they're going to go quietly into the night and turn something out of them. And you see with like Juju Smith-Schuster, where he's having one of his best years. He's doing that even though he missed some time this season. And then you've got uh, Kadarius Tony, Yeah, ha ha ha. Uh, Kadarius Tony, who was like just awful Written the last year. one year. Yeah, traded on his second year. Usually <laughs> players nothing. are done when they're traded their second year. And uh, he's doing good. I mean, he's playing good football. I, I don't like the cockiness he showed in the uh, Chiefs-Jaguars game. I don't think that's good. But He said he was falling over when that happened. He's a liar, so <laughs> just... Forewarning you before you get let down in the future by that, but I I think you see Reed do a lot with these players who just shouldn't be as good as they are, and I think if you know someone like McCole Hardman leaves Kansas City, I don't think much will happen with him. You'd after have that. to have another. And I think they belong coach. in that place. Yeah, he would and- need to go somewhere good. And Andy Reid has done this his entire career. That is what he's been known as, is the the guy who can take problem players or people that are past their prime and turn them into legit weapons. And he did it with 
Kelsey had anger management issues at the beginning of his career. He's getting penalties all the time. He doesn't do that anymore. Tyree Kill had issues. Yeah. Andy Reid dealt with that. Daniel Sorensen was, uh, whenever we drafted him, was supposed to be this huge issue. And we didn't even see anything from that until he helmet to helmet someone in the Browns playoff game that wasn't called. It's not really. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he takes players and he just elevates them. He writes them into the scheme. And one of my favorite things of watching him do is whenever a player has a fumble or they have a tipped ball that gets intercepted and they go to the sideline, they start like throwing their helmet down. They look like they're and most other games, they're taken out of that game. The coach will bench them or the player will basically bench themselves by just not being in the right uh, mindset. Andy Reid draws that player into the next drive. He makes them the target to, so that they know that, that it's, a, it's a huge thing, that, that he cares and that that was just a fluke play. And it works. McCool Hardman had a fumble one year, and Andy Reid <laughs> made a whole drive for him and he went down and scored a touchdown. He was instantly back in the game. Him and, and just, Doug Peterson are literally the same exact person. And it's so impressive. I mean, I mean, yeah, Doug Peterson probably uh, a little bit probably rubbed off on him. Well, but, but it's it is the same. Think, I don't think they'll give Doug or Andy the the award. Yeah, they, but one because they don't like the Jaguars. The NFL just doesn't like them. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs, Chiefs have been are already too good. good still. But uh, it'll probably go the the Giants coach or Dan Campbell if they make the playoffs probably could have a shot. Yeah. But yeah, having an insane coach that can that can work with players like that, like Doug or Andy's, just huge. But but what has Doug Peterson done this year? Just think about it for a moment because he's taken players who were written off and he's turned them into really good players. Zay Jones, I mean, the guy was not exactly thought of as a top receiver in free agency yet he's probably gonna finish around 800 900 yards this season having a great year and then you've got you know christian kirk over exceeded actually could be a number one receiver in the nfl and then you look at evan ingram you know, the big thing with Doug Pearson is his ability to work with tight ends. He took a guy who had drop issues and has turned him into a That's great a tight joke. end. And what you talked about as well with McCole Hardman, like in the championship game where they started feeding him the ball, you know, they did the same thing with Ingram when they played the Titans. Ingram dropped two of like his first three passes that game. They kept throwing him the ball. And the dude had a career day. Like he had two touchdowns. Um, he had like 160-something yards. You know, they operate very much the same as each other. And it was funny, too. They also both got fired from the Eagles. <laughs> oh, that was a, a great day for the Kansas City Chiefs when Andy Reid got fired from the Eagles. Same that here. Change the, change the, yeah, and it's the <laughs> That's same how we thing. feel about it. <laughs> and it, it just is, took you us can a little bit to get the Andy Reid in, in uh, Doug Peterson. You can just see it. You can see the the coaching he's taught, and it's just I, I both of our teams are just set for the future, and it's yeah, just so good to have coaches like this. They have very likable people in charge, and there's also a lot of players who are very likable. Um, out of all the Jaguars teams I've watched, this is by miles the most likable team in terms of personalities on it, and it'll probably keep staying that way. Yeah, that I just wanted to say that because I was thinking about that earlier today, and I 
genuinely think Andy Reid should be considered in the conversation with how they feel about the Chiefs. But yeah, they'll give it to a bigger market, which is fine. There are some other good coaches. Yeah, some other good coaches. But yeah, yeah. it should be. They should definitely be talked about. For sure, definitely part of the conversation. Well, we'll go ahead. Let's start talking about this upcoming week. Uh, We've got two big games. Um, Originally, this would have seemed more like one big game and another that's just, oh, okay, that's happening. But these are huge now because the Chiefs are trying to hold on to the number one seed as of now. That could change if the game happens between the Bengals and Bills. Yeah, they could still be holding on to that if the Bengals won. So it's still huge. The Chiefs cannot afford to not give it their all this week. Yeah, and it's the first game of the week. And then you've got the Jaguars right after on Saturday Night Football uh, playing the Titans. They're going to be hosting it. It's it's for the division. And it's just a huge game. And you couldn't ask for much more to be going Jacksonville's way right now. I, I actually can't really think of anything other than Derrick Henry being injured. And obviously, I'm not going to wish harm on someone. So can't really say that. <laughs> But uh, you know, from the last game, there's some things that have changed. The Titans, they do have some defensive players back, but they've also lost Andrew Adams at safety, and their offensive line is even worse than what it was before. And just a reminder of what happened, um, there was a lot of sacks in that game. There was a, a strip sack by Trayvon Walker, and they're going to be on the road with a worse offensive line. So fired up stadium, too. It's going to be sold out. I mean, I think it already is, actually. And it's going to be only Jaguars fans. You're not going to see a lot of Titans fans there because they don't travel. And people are not reselling their tickets to Tennessee fans. Yeah, it is. That game is just huge. And it's just everything seems to be going the Jaguars way. Just with injuries, with Dobbs being the quarterback for the Titans. With Jaguars being on fire right now, it being in Jacksonville, this is just a huge game. And I think, I mean, the Jaguars almost need to win this, like, like, assuredly. They need to really... Convincingly, yeah. Yeah, they need to beat the Titans. Because if they struggle in this game, then you start to ask some questions going into the playoffs. I but won't. I think they, there definitely will be questions asked if they struggle against the Titans. And it's a division game. It's always close. But at this point, the the Jaguars kind of need to show that they're for real. They need a they need a big win. And they, yeah. they they are for real. I think they're for real. But they can't the Jaguars, they need to win this just for their own uh, franchise's sake too. If they messed up and somehow lost this, that's just huge. That's a we, demoralizing. We can send Tennessee into a full-blown rebuild. If we win this game and if we lose, we might set back our entire plan like a whole year because next year would be the first year in the playoffs, getting acclimated, becoming a playoff team. Whereas if we can just, you know, win this game, then, you know, we get a chance. Let's go win a playoff game. Let's show that we belong here. And the next year, you know, let's plan for a Super Bowl run. And obviously, you know, if we make it this year, we're going to be talking about Super Bowl. We're going to be talking about winning each game. But, you know, the reality is the team will be better in the future. This is not the best version of the Jaguars we're going to see as far as a roster standpoint. Um, but the this might arguably 
be the most important regular season game in Jacksonville in the history of the franchise. Ever. And, and I mean, I would and agree to that. And it's, yeah, it, it, it leads up to the future. It's so huge. It's such a big game. And it, it seems like everything's going right at the same time. Yeah, we couldn't ask for much more because, you know, we're playing at home. We've won four in a row, which it was a long time ago that the Jaguars won four games in a row. The Titans have lost six in a row. They sat starters against the Cowboys. They have done things wrong up to this game. They have not treated it well. They haven't taken their games seriously. We're not even the team behind anymore. This was originally, okay, we need to try to gain two games outside of our matchups against the Titans, and then we need to sweep them. That's what the original thing was. But we nearly had this locked up before the final week. We were one game away from it. And now, you know, although it's Tennessee's division from last year, we're in the driver's seat. We're the team that doesn't have a losing record. And they're the team with the backup quarterback hanging on the road to greet a lot of fans who aren't rooting for him. So things are, are not in a good spot for Tennessee. Yeah, their team has just been in free fall. And I mean, it looks like the Jaguars division for the foreseeable future. It looks like it's theirs to lose. And that starts by winning Saturday night. Yeah, it, it needs to happen. I absolutely believe it's going to happen too. Everything I see from this team, the way they treat things, the way they talk about it, I could not ask for more from a mentality standpoint. And I, I actually believe... Out of every playoff contender this year, that from a mentality standpoint, the Jaguars are by far the favorites. Not talking about roster, not talking about the talent, but the way they're looking at games and the way they're treating this and the value of playoff games, I think Jacksonville is in the best spot in the entire NFL. In Tennessee, I don't think they even believe they're going to make the playoffs. So you've really just got such a lopsided matchup. I think they'll give them some fits early on. I think they'll do something to stay in it early, but I think Jacksonville is just going to pull away and I think they're going to win it or they're going to blow them out, but it should be a convincing win. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think it's just going to be a convincing win. the Titans just don't even, I mean, if, if looking at their team and looking at most of their fans, it looks like they're eliminated from the playoffs four weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah. it, it should just be a sound Jag Jaguars win. They kind of accepted that thought like a week and a half ago. When we took the division lead by tiebreaker, that was when I started seeing a lot of Titans fans talking about rebuilding and the draft and all that. But before that, they still believed they were going to win the division. And I mean, they were in the lead, so I, I get it, but lots changed. So Let's talk about the other game that's going to happen earlier that day, though, with the Chiefs and Raiders. So Chiefs will be on the road. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, usually against a team who, you know, just got rid of their starting quarterback, I would say, oh, yeah, the Chiefs are going to win by multiple scores. But I feel like I've learned better not to say that anymore. <laughs> I feel like, yet again, the Chiefs are probably going to play down, even in an important game. I think they'll they'll take it seriously, 
but I think you're going to see some generic play calling and just some really good plays right when they need it, and they'll just kind of sneak by because it's just what they do. And the Raiders, even with being out of the playoffs, they are never just going to let the Chiefs win. There is no scenario where they let that happen. This is an insane rivalry, probably, in my opinion, a top three in the league. It's up there. Yeah, the Raiders are not letting the Chiefs just go. And they'll give it their all. And, I mean, they should. No team should ever just let a team have a free path in the playoffs, especially a division rival. And the the Chiefs will probably just squeak by and hopefully go in the playoffs and hopefully have the one seed. Yeah, I, I think Kansas City should get this done. But I also have to ask the question, is Kansas City a team that wins by multiple scores? Not against bad teams, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't <laughs> against think teams they are at this point. I, I think they are a team that can win by multiple scores. Yes. We just have to see them prove that in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to do it this week. I don't think maybe they'll have a week. Maybe they'll play solid this game and they'll look like you're never really worried about them losing, but I still think it's going to be close. They'll, I think they out. might just get a one drive kind of lead on the Raiders to where the Raiders get back within seven and the Chiefs just hold them out at the end of the game and win. Yeah, I think the Chiefs should lead most of this game, but what's probably going to keep it close for the majority of it is Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Uh, We were talking about just before this, you know, with uh, Snead having an injury right now, and, you know, we don't know whether he's playing or not. Probably for such a big game he would be, but him going up against Devontae Adams is not a great matchup. You know, there's not really many great matchups. Yeah, there's no Devontae great matchups. I mean, we felt amazing about Tyson Campo this year, and like he got destroyed by Devontae Adams for the entire first half. Now, the second half was an entirely different story. He shut him down, but the first half he gave up like 156 yards and, to the guy. And honestly, watching the wide receivers this room, this is going to be a opinion that most people wouldn't agree on. But seeing like what situations they were in and how they performed, I actually was the most impressed with Devontae Adams. He came out in games that he had no reason getting a crap ton of yards, and he would just own teams. He owned the Chiefs the last time he played them. It was just a, a mix-up on routes that kind of cost him that, and he'd only been there for uh, a few weeks at that point. So. We had a mix-up with a cameraman, too, at the end, I think. <laughs> but he's a great guy. It's just, just a fluke thing. He hasn't done anything since then, you know. It's what but, happens when you don the silver and black. You just, you just start pushing over in this Instantly a criminal. But, yeah, I just... He's going to have a huge day. I think the Chiefs will hold Jacobs. And they'll do their usual strategy, which is try to get every single defender on Adams and then make the Raiders throw to other people. The issue is, is that Adams is so good that you can double-team him and he'll still get the ball. So I think the Chiefs can... Yeah. I am worried about the secondary. If the Raiders win, it's because of Devontae Adams. I think they'll hold Josh Jacobs. Their run defense has been pretty solid this year. And he'll he'll probably still have some big runs. Everyone gets big runs. But Adams is going to probably have 150 yards. Yeah, you know that he's going to be the primary target for Jared Stidham. Yeah, I, I, I think the Chiefs will finish this one out. I think they'll barely win like usual, but they're going to hold on to that number one seed. I don't think they're going to let that go. And then 
you know, we'll see what happens in the playoffs and if there's any shenanigans from that, but I think they're going to hold on to it. So, well, let's, uh, we'll move on to the games outside of these. Uh, we just talk really about five of the biggest games outside of our teams. And so we'll start with uh, Bengals and Ravens. This, I guess now, this might not decide the NFC North, right? Or, sorry, AFC North. Because the Bengals, so the Bengals' record right now is 11-4, and four, and the Ravens are 10-6. So because this game did not take place, if it does not happen at all, even if the Ravens win, the Bengals' record would be eleven and five, and the Ravens would be eleven and six. So, so it's yeah. kind. Of, yeah, this is where it gets obnoxious. But the Bengals will still be fighting to try to advance in in seed. I'm sure. Um, yeah, and they could get the even with what happened. If the Chiefs lose, they can get the first seed. Yeah, because if the bank, sorry, if the Bills lose to the Patriots, they can take second seed because the Bills didn't get the game either because they played each other. So, yeah, so there is still something in it for the for Bengals. Game. And yeah, I it almost wasn't. I mean, they're pretty much – I mean, the players probably still be a little shaken up from what happened, but they're basically going to have extra time for that game too. Yeah, and this might be where Lamar Jackson comes back too. So if he comes back, that'll be interesting to watch but I just I don't believe in the Ravens right now I think there is like something just went off the deep end when they lost in Jacksonville and it was it was Lamar Jackson yeah (laughs) he did go off the deep end we we know that yeah that that team needs Lamar and I, I think they're basically at this point just saving him for the playoffs you gotta just hope that that team just like magically becomes functional again when they get into the playoffs so I just I think the Bengals should just clearly win this, but it's a divisional game. Anything could happen, especially if Lamar's playing. Yep. Yeah, that's how I see it, too. It should be a Bengals win here, especially if Lamar's not in. Um, The next game we'll talk about is Dolphins and Jets. This will be in Miami. The Dolphins will be without Tua again, and the Jets will probably be starting Mike White in this one. I'm sure that maybe they'll run a two quarterback system like Houston has with uh, uh, Davis yeah. Mills and whoever They're the heck guy Chiefs. is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you guys struggle with them. We never struggle with the Texans. We didn't lose nine in a row before that game. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the Texans. Now that I think about it, never even mentioned that game. <laughs> it didn't even happen. It, it was a good game. That's all I'll say about it. It went well. Streaks over. All the streaks are dead. There's nothing bad in Jacksonville. Everything's perfect here. The culture's changed completely it, it literally has everything's gone it's just but yeah, finishing the, it off the titans the dolphins basically have to win this i mean the what jets do the are dolphins for do? nothing what do the dolphins do every year when they're like right about to make the playoffs what what happens they lose they, they finish as the first seed out so because there's seven seeds they will finish in the eighth seed that's what they do they are the masters of disappointment. There's different ways that you can be disappointed by a team. They can absolutely suck. They can always miss the playoffs just by the skin of their teeth. Or they could lose in the playoffs in dramatic fashion. And the Dolphins are the second of those. So I'm going Jets. Yeah. I 
I think their coach has changed the culture enough to where they'll at least get there. But I, I could easily see the Jets winning too. The Jets are going to play hard. They're a team that's kind of looking forward to the future. And I think they want to make a statement win too. So I'm going to say Dolphins, but I could definitely see it going either way. Yeah, plus Robert Sala could be somewhat on a hot seat after this year. You know, even though it will be his third year, you know, he missed on quarterback very clearly. I think we can all agree on that. I don't think there's anyone out there who's thinking Zach Wilson is savable at this point, unless they're a Jets fan. And I get that. I'm not going to even judge him for it. But Zach Wilson's career is done, and they blew the second overall pick. So that's that's a huge problem for them. But I think they'll win this. I think they'll finish 8-9. and nine. The Dolphins will do what they do, lose. Uh, the Colts and Texans. So I, I will talk about this last. Who do you think is going to win this and why? Colts because they aren't a team that gives up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I have no clue. I This is the one that might shock. I think the Texans are going to win this game. I think they're going to blow the first pick this week. The Texans, I mean, outside of last week, and they usually, I, from what I know, they can recover from that kind of loss. They've done it before. The Texans fight hard against everyone. And I think teams are kind of finally figuring out, like, Jeff Saturday and just things are going off the deep end in uh, Indianapolis. They've lost a lot of games in a row, if I recall, because they're 4-11-1. Oh, and wow. at a what point a... they were four eight and one, I know, because they had a shot to go eight eight and one and then like have Jacksonville and Tennessee finish eight and nine, but they didn't. So they've lost a lot of games in a row. I think the Texans are gonna win this. They're gonna have better coaching. Their team has some players that are over exceeding. The Colts are kind of just exploding, and it's also think about it like this. This is an opportunity for the Colts to screw over the Texans and give them a later pick in the first round. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean... That's my crazy prediction. The, the Texans the play hard. That, yeah. that could definitely happen. I don't think that's, a, that's that crazy. Both of these teams are uh, not good. But when they play each other, uh, they're, they're on equal footing at that point. So it's very I mean, close. This game is very equal. Yeah, I mean, it's a game that about 10 people are going to be watching, but yeah, I could see either team winning and I could see the Texans blowing that the first seed. Yeah, and the fun part of this is that if the Texans win, which I am rooting for them, of course, if the Texans win this, it raises a huge question in the draft because now the Bears could trade that first pick to anyone they want if they want Bryce Young. So it's going to get interesting in the offseason. That's why I want the Texans to win this game too because, you know, I, yeah, I don't want Bryce Young going to Houston, but I, I want that craziness for the offseason and the draft. I think that would be awesome. I mean, very interesting first pick, yeah. Yeah, make things great. Um, two games left here. Eagles versus Giants. Eagles, Giants, wow. Eagles host. Yeah. 
Eagles hosting is huge. That's a big part of that. But the Giants, I mean, they're a chanting MVP for Daniel Jones. <laughs> they have a potential uh, coach of the year. That team is playing hot. The, 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 I mean, wow. That game would, could probably go Giants, realistically. And I think I'm going to predict that. I think they're hotter right now. I think it's as simple as does Jalen Hurts start the game? Yeah. If he does, he's going to come back and he's going to win that thing. But if he does not, Gardner Minshew is going to blow it. Sorry, Gardner. And Daniel Jones will win MVP. Yeah, and Brian Dabble, head coach of the year. Be great. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's just huge. Yeah, that game is worth a lot. It's going to be a lot on the line. Um, Packers and Lions, final game of the week, arguably the biggest. Um, I get why they have it on Sunday Night Football, to be fair. I just, yeah, I kind of wish they showed us some love for once. They don't do that, though. Um, Who do you got in this one? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit biased towards the Packers. Growing up watching Aaron Rodgers kind of be my favorite quarterback till Alex Smith. And <laughs> I I kind of want to see the Packers win it. And I think I think they're more on fire right now. I think again with like how the Giants are, the Packers have done everything perfect to get into this spot to have a chance at the playoffs. And if they blew it now, it would be a huge embarrassment. So I think it's just everything's lining up for them to win. Yep, I'm on the same page. I th- I think that the Packers will win this. Aaron Rodgers is just playing good right now. And Jared Goff is as well. Um, he's got 15 straight touchdowns. Do you know yeah. that? That's probably he's probably the least talked about quarterback in the whole NFL. Yeah, that trade, like you could make an argument that the Lions got a better quarterback and got two first round picks. They or, just gave the Rams a Super Bowl. Poor Stafford. He got his win though. Yeah, he did, and, <laughs> and we're happy for it. But yeah. I, I think that the Lions are going to put up a big fight. I think they might dominate this game at points, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is just simply going to have the ball late and he's going to go win it. But, yeah, I'm just going to have to give a round of applause to the NFL scriptwriters this week. There is there are some insane matchups that have huge implications. They've really, they've really outdone themselves this year. They are an entertainment business. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's get ready to wrap this up. So, let's finish it with this: If the Chiefs are able to win on Saturday against the Raiders in Las Vegas, what went right in the game? The, the D line got multiple sacks. I think th- that quarterback getting pressured. Who is their quarterback again? I'm gonna be real. I already Jared forgot. Stidham. Stidham. Yeah, I, elite quarterback there I, I don't think he's going to do well under pressure so it comes down to the Chiefs front four getting on him and being able to not have to blitz being able to have as many people in the in the in the backfield as possible to stop Adams is going to be crucial so Chris Jones Frank Clark George Karloftis who is really emerging here at the end of the year I'm really happy to see that he's looking really good all of a sudden I, I that front four if they can get to Stidham, <laughs> uh, I don't think the Raiders could win. With multiple, with three or four sacks, I think the Raiders are just toast if they're getting pressure all day on them. 
Yeah, I see what you're talking about with Carl Loftus, by the way. He's got five sacks in the last six games. Yeah, he's... Uh, we were talking he's not that fire. long ago about how, like, he didn't have any sacks. So yeah, he's, he's a That's bird. great. That's good for him. He's, yeah, he's I, becoming a huge part of the Chiefs' uh, defense. For sure. And I agree with what you're saying with the D-line because, you know, younger quarterbacks like that, or just guys who don't have a ton of experience, you can fluster them. And we've seen it with Lawrence a lot where, like, when you can sack him, like, he does some stupid stuff. And that's gotten better over time, but that was a huge issue for him. Even Mahomes in games where Mahomes is very good against the Blitz, but in games where he gets sacked a lot, even he starts to kind of get freaked out a bit and throw stupid passes. So, yeah, Yeah. getting on a quarterback like Stidham and – Putting pressure on him like that is going to be insanely huge to the Chiefs winning. For sure. 100% I agree with that. I think for Jacksonville, the the two big things are going to be you know, limiting Derrick Henry. You won't be able to completely shut him down like last time unless you just take a huge lead. Um, but the other part of this is you know, forcing turnovers on Josh Dobbs. He's not going to be perfect with the ball. He's not going to throw a ton of beautiful passes. You know, and we've got really good cornerbacks that will be matching up against their best players. Where the Titans will probably try to take advantages uh, over the middle of the field because the linebacker core has rookies. We've got Trey Herndon in the slot, but if they're able to take advantage of bad throws, force turnovers, sack them, because we're gonna have a lot of success on the defensive line if things are as we think. If they can do that, I think they'll run away with this game. Just dominate them. And the other thing that can happen, just show up to the game. You know, tickets are already sold out, but just people who go out there and support them and get loud, that's going to do a ton. And I've seen a huge change in the way Jacksonville fans have been at the games. I got to see it live in week two this year. It was amazing. You know, that can change a lot for that game. Yeah. I just, you guys, I'd almost say the same thing. You guys have to get pressures. The Dobbs, I'm I'm assuming, will probably not flourish under pressure. Probably not. Especially since he's been there two weeks. Both games really do come down to just kind of getting on the the young quarterback. Exactly. That's a good point. Very similar situations there. So, yeah, I think if Jacksonville's able to do that, they'll they'll find themselves in the AFC South uh, as the champion. So let's hope it ends that way. Let's hope that we're heading into the playoffs in good situation. But uh, I'll go ahead. We'll wrap this up. I appreciate you all joining us today for the latest episode of On the Prowl presented by Cardiac Cats. And let's hope we're here next week getting ready for some playoff football. 